Hello, musical theatre fans. Welcome to the Mayor of Musical Theatre podcast. My name is Ian Boquette, and every week I ask special guests from the world of musical theatre and beyond all about their favourite musicals and what show they would order run forever if they were the Mayor of Musical Theatre. Now, obviously, that's a completely hypothetical question in most cases, but with today's guest, probably something he could do. He could, he could find a favourite show of his and make it so brilliant it runs forever. He has that power. It is Nikolai Foster, creative director of Leicester's Curve Theatre, one of the best venues in the country. If you get the chance, just drive yourself at it, train yourself at it, coach yourself at it, hovercraft yourself at it, whatever it takes to get to this venue and see literally anything they do. Such a beautiful space and with a lot of show um, directed by Nikolai himself, it's you know, it's going to be a high quality production. I've seen some amazing stuff there. Everything Nikolai does is great. If you're in London, and you want to see something that he's directed. How about getting along to the London Palladium with The Wizard of Oz starring in its lead role as Dorothy, Georgina Honora, previous podcast guest, as well as previous podcast guest Christina Bianco as Glinda the Good Witch and a whole cast of other amazing people as well. Make sure you get tickets to that. Also, check out musicaltheaterreview.com. This podcast is produced in association with them. It's your premier source for news reviews and interviews on all things on stage, backstage and worldwide. I sometimes also write for them as well. So you can you can, you can can see what it's like when I've had some time to, to plan what I'm going to say and write it and have an edit key and not just speak into a microphone at rapid fire pace at the start of these episodes and hope something coherent comes out because it rarely does, as I'm sure you've noticed. So I'll stop chatting. I'll stop jabbering on. You'll want to hear from Nikolai. We'll talk about some of the great work he's done um, during the podcast. Um, you go check it out. He's an incredible director. If you see his name attached to a project, that's a high watermark of quality. So definitely get down to Wizard and everything else we talk about in this episode. I hope you enjoy this chat with Nikolai Foster. There's sort of curved crossroads all over London at the moment. Welcome to the Mayor of Musical Theatre podcast. I am composer, reviewer, photographer, and now podcaster slash fake mayor, Ian Boquette. But I am far less worthy of the title of Mayor of Musical Theatre than my guest today. He is the artistic director of one of my favourite venues in the world, Leicester's Curved Theatre. Over the last few years, this theatre has been the source of many much-talked-about and critically acclaimed productions, including West Side Story, Sunset Boulevard, and even The Wizard of Oz, which has transferred this summer to London's Palladium. He is a magnificent director. He's the Real Wizard of Musical Theatre, it's Nikolai Foster. Oh, thank you for that amazing introduction. It's great to be chatting to you, Ian. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. Should we start with The Wizard of Oz? It's Obviously, it's one of my favourites. It comes up on this podcast all the time as guests' favourites. It's such a classic. What's your vision for this new production in terms of balancing the nostalgia and showing people something new? Oh, blimey, that's a great question. I mean, we sort of went back to the novel when we first started working on the show, and it was about four years ago now because it was meant to be our Christmas production at Curve, I think the year of the pandemic. Um, so obviously we've been planning it way before then. So it's been a production that's been sort of brewing and been in gestation for a few years now. So we've we've got no excuse not to um, get it right because we've been working on it um, for so long. But I felt when we sort of looked back at the novel and what, you know, sort of looking at the themes of the novel, which I guess is about friendship and going on a journey and sometimes the journey and what you learn along the way in life is sometimes more 
important and significant than actually the end game and when you sort of reach your sort of target as it were and this idea of you know sort of kingdoms presided over by these despotic leaders and along comes this sort of you know optimistic and charismatic young leader in the shape of Dorothy Gale it felt like there were lots of sort of resonant um sort of themes that would sort of lend themselves well to some of the discourse and the world that we're living in today but obviously it's a fantasy novel you know it's it's set in fantasy kingdoms and there's so many you know weird and wonderful characters which are sort of born out of the imagination and I think one of the dangers for a director working on a piece like this is that you on top of all of that which is so fantastical and so heightened you then add a sort of concept on top of it which almost cancels out the originality and the imagination and the flair of the original so it was about finding a tone and an atmosphere which could sort of sit cheek by jowl which was sort of the author's original intentions while sort of lifting it for a sort of contemporary audience so you know I was thinking about the yellow brick road it's going on a journey it's a journey of discovery what's that like well it's a bit like route 66 in america so you might be traveling from new york to la to realize your dreams so we sort of started to think about the yellow brick road as route 66 and you know so all the places were stopping off on route you know we meet the scarecrow and the tin man and the lion um sort of thinking about americana american iconography and how that might work within the context of the sort of world we've sort of created so i guess it is quite conceptual it feels very contemporary we've got an incredible cast led by jason manford and ashley banjo and georgina who played um dorothy at curve is back at the palladium um louis gaunt is our scarecrow so ben thompson as the um as toto so it's a really exciting company and i think you get the best of both worlds you sort of get the original well-loved wizard of oz with a really sort of fresh contemporary take sprinkled on top well speaking of that cast um i was actually talking to georgina Honora for this podcast a few weeks ago before it was announced for the palladium um, and she would not shut up about how much she loved working in leicester with you as a director uh, one of my questions was going to be are you like a really strict tyrannical feared terrifying director or someone nice to get along with but i guess that answers that yeah i think um the sort of days of any sort of leader in any sort of industry being a sort of tyrannical sort of you know um despotic sort of maniac i think those days are quite rightly well behind us and certainly everything we do at curve and my spirit as a director is all about collaboration and you know you're working with actors like georgina and ashley and jason and ben and everybody in the the ensemble and diane pilkington who's our wicked witch you know it's a collaboration it's not about you telling somebody what to do or how to interpret their character it's about a meeting of minds and as artists sort of you know thinking about what's this play about in the here and now what's this scene about and obviously your job as the director is to offer a framework and sort of offer hopefully some parameters but then within that framework to allow the actors and the creative team to play and sort of find their own way through and then support and guide and cajole and sort of get the best out of them but essentially your job is to empower people and get the best out of them by 
giving them confidence to trust their instincts and to really deep dive into the play and navigate our way through it together. I, I can not agree more. I've directed a couple of things, just my own shows in little rooms above pubs. And I mean, that was just with three or four actors in that. How do you deal with such a massive cast, all coming from different worlds, from comedy, from dance, from TV, from theatre? How do you make sure everyone gels as a company? Well, gosh, that's a really good question. I suppose it all, for me, comes down to the work. So the plays, the thing and the the work, the industry, the object we all have is to put on this version of the Wizard of Oz and clearly there's a vision there's an idea which sort of is the umbrella which sits over all of it and you know hopefully we're all going in the same direction so you know as you say whether somebody's coming from the world of dance or comedy or acting and has done fewer musicals before whatever it is we're all going along this yellow brick road this path together and there's a shared vision and that's the thing that anchors us all and holds us all together um and also when we're casting and putting together a show like this you know we're you know um you know we've got some great you know in this show we've got some great star names above the box office but these people have been selected first and foremost because they're incredible artists and they're right for this role in this production Mm. so you know we we don't have anybody sort of pulling off in a slightly different direction tonally because we're all as one we're one sort of army one unit working towards the same end really i guess it's a perfect show in that respect then isn't it it's all is all about the journey and helping each other exactly exactly and i think we all understand what the concept is we all understand what the vision is we all understand the direction we're going in and so we're able to communicate that clearly with each other so we can all help each other we're always all asking questions in the room it's a very sort of lively space um as you say we're all heading in the in the same direction well the role of artistic director of a theater it sounds like a dream job to a lot of people like you just wake up and choose your favorite musical and put it on the next week i hear you're doing evita for this winter it seems like it might just be that way you're just picking amazing musicals and and going off with them yeah i mean we have a long curve we've got a long relationship with andrew lloyd webber which you know, stretches way back into the sort of history books. And long before I became artistic director at Curve, I had the privilege of directing many of Andrew and Tim's and many of the great other lyricists that Andrew's worked with sort of along the way. So, um, and when we were doing, uh, when we were during lockdown, we did, um, we'd, we'd done a tour of Sunset Boulevard years ago with Rhea Jones and Danny Mack and then as part of our lockdown offering for audiences, we did a, a, an on-screen version, which was really wonderful, where we turned the whole building into, um, you know, a film studio and Norma Desmond's mansion. And then when we reopened the theatre with people coming back into our space after COVID, it was with a concert, the music of Andrew Lloyd Webber. So we have a long relationship with Andrew. We adore him. We adore his work. And so when the rights for Evita became available, it just seemed like the perfect Christmas show. It's a really grown up, sophisticated piece of writing. And we're really looking forward to putting our sort of made it curve sort of spin on it. And again, doing something contemporary, which really honours, you know, the characters and the world the play is set within. But hopefully, you know, a few surprises along the way. 
Andrew Lloyd Webber is one of those who really gets people into musical theatre. Everyone remembers their first Joseph or Jesus Christ Superstar. What was the show which really got you obsessed with musical theatre? Was there one show that made you fall in love with the form? Well, actually, it was Lionel Bart's Oliver, which was the very first um, show I did at school, at secondary school. And then the year after, we actually did Joseph. Um, and I think I was Simeon, you know, who sings the um, Canaan Days, you know, the sort of... <laughs> Um, French uh, brother of Joseph. So I remember doing that. And, you know, so that was actually my first brush with um, Andrew Lloyd Webber. And, you know, it's not just Andrew's shows that get people into theatre. I was at um, an event at Drury Lane a few weeks ago, and it was um, musical instruments in secondary schools trust, which Andrew is a patron of. And it's about funding uh, musical education and giving instruments to kids from um, harder to reach backgrounds in some of our most challenging schools up and down the country. And since that project's been running over the last sort of decade, they've helped literally tens of thousands of young people get into classical music, pick up an instrument they'd never played before and learn this skill, which, you know, aside from being a joyful thing to do, gives them skills which sort of set them up for life. So um, yeah, Andrew's sort of, you know, sort of work and impact goes well beyond the theatre and, and the musicals he's written. That is fantastic to hear. Did you learn an instrument growing up? Yeah, well, recorder, I think like everybody. And then, I mean, it was amazing. We just went, I just went to an ordinary uh, comprehensive, but, you know, we had, they had a full orchestra and we, wow. I learned the violin and uh, piano for a time and it was just sort of... Um, yeah, extraordinary. And don't play those instruments now. But again, skills for life, really, in terms of that sort of discipline of being able to pick up an instrument and have to study and, you know, work hard at something like that. Yeah. And to give you the insight when you're directing musicals, don't, don't worry about the noise, it's fine. Um, and to give you the insight when you're directing it's musicals. Funny, it's, it almost sounds like bells, doesn't it? We're ringing the bells <laughs> when we're talking about instruments. Yeah, everything is musical. Everything's musical in this place. I love it. Everything is musical. Our company manager on Wizard of Oz is musical. <laughs> Amazing to hear. Well, speaking of music, is there one musical score which gets stuck in your head the most often? I imagine what you're working on at the time is I hard think, to get out of your head. Yeah, I think it's the one you're working at. Yeah, at the right. moment. So obviously I've got Ding Dong, The Witch is Dead, you know, at three in the morning. That's like a sort of record which you can't switch off. But I think the one that I sort of keep going back to is West Side Story. I mean, the mm. some of the musical passages in that are just sort of, you know, world class, aren't they? And they just they just stay with you sort of deep in your soul, really. Yeah, um, the Lester Curve production of that, which was on over Christmas, and I think I saw it on... Boxing Day, maybe. I wasn't oh, expecting, wow. I I didn't know what to expect from it because there are so many West Side stories I've seen, but it was my favourite one I've ever seen. It was really incredible. And I know you probably can't share secrets, but if there's any hint that it's going to be coming back in the future or coming to London, I would love to see it again. Well, all I'll say on that is watch, watch this space and keep an eye out on announcements upcoming. So exciting. What is the musical currently running in London, which is your favourite? Well, I'd have to be biased and say the Curve Productions, so Grease, 42nd Street and Wizard of Oz. So mm. Curve's got a real hat-trick this summer. We've got our production of Grease is back at the Dominion Theatre, 42nd Street's just opening in Sadler's Wells and obviously Wizard of Oz at the London Palladium. So um, wow. I'd have to be biased and say those. But I was really fortunate that just before we started rehearsing, 
um, Wizard of Oz to see Oklahoma at Wyndham's Theatre, and I thought that was absolutely magnificent. The concept, the quality of the acting, the musicianship was just world-class, and I just thought, what a perfect reinvention of one of the great you know, musicals and, you know, the, the study of an outsider and how people are ostracised within a community. I thought it was absolutely ball-breakingly beautiful and, and loved that, everything about that production. I love that production so much. Um, it was, of course, starring Georgina Anora, who's now starring in mm-hmm. Wizard of Oz. So it's it's such a great, invigorating show, which you might not expect to go see a Rodgers and Hammerstein show from over yeah. half a century ago. Yeah, and the, and the curve crossovers keep coming because obviously Georgina leapfrogged from Oklahoma to Wizard of Oz, but our uh, Mrs. Wilkinson from Billy Elliot, Sally Ann Triplett, has now gone into Oklahoma. So the sort Beautiful. of curve crossroads all over London at the moment. <laughs> yeah, three musicals open in the West End at the same time. That is incredible. That's that's more than Sondheim. That's more than Rodgers and Hammerstein. Well, yeah, I mean, it's incredible. It's a testament to you know, certainly the tech teams and the marketeers and all of the amazing team at Curve who work so hard to give these shows a really good berth in Leicester. And then with our amazing co-producers like Michael Harrison, who we're working with on The Wizard of Oz, they're then able to take these shows with us and give them a future life, which is, you know, it's all about collaboration, like we were talking about earlier. And that's a great example of, you know, the subsidised section, the commercial world working, you know, you know, hand in hand. Really beautiful to hear. Which musical has made you laugh the most? Um, well, probably some of the musicals I've worked on when they've all been going a bit pear-shaped <laughs> and tech rehearsal, um, but they're probably for the wrong reasons. And probably the producers, I think the sort of, you know, that really sort of sub- subversive sort of, you know, off-the-wall humour, um, I think probably probably when I saw the producers the first time, I was sort of sort of um, taken aback by by the humour of that. Yeah, nothing prepares you for a truly funny musical the first time you see it. Exactly. You know, what's that line about, you know, the two greatest words in the um, English language, musical comedy, and you're like, well, absolutely. When when the musical comedy absolutely makes you laugh, there's nothing better. 100%. Well, producers, famously a movie turned into a musical, turned into a movie, turned into a musical. Which movie musical is your favourite? I think it has to be Singing in the Rain. Um, I just I just think just the way it looks, the sort of artistry, that idea of MGM and sound stages and movie musicals of that sort of period, the sort of, you know, the middle of the 20th century. There's just something so magical and, you know, the skill of all of those innovators working in Hollywood at that time. There's just something obviously as an outsider to that world and that period in our history, it's just so ev- ev- sort of evocative and just, I just, I, you know, if you could get in, you know, the time machine and Doctor Who would let you be a passenger for a day, I'd love to go back in time and, you know, be a be a runner on a, you know, on Singing in the Rain with Gene Kelly in the 1950s. That's sort of like, you know, yeah, definitely my favourite movie musical. Yeah, it's one of those where if you could be in the background just as an extra walking past, it would make your life. Um, Something I really loved over COVID, the Sunset Boulevard, the colour purple, you you were filming musicals at Curve. And do you have any aspirations towards more filmed work or are you you a strictly theatre person? Yeah, definitely. I love working on camera. Like you say, during COVID, we did a lot of work. We worked with a local company in Leicester, Crosscut, who 
we sort of went on this journey before and like we were talking about the innovators of the 1950s we obviously weren't as quite as innovative as they were and I wouldn't um, be so grand as to compare myself but because we were trying to make this hybrid theatre for audiences at home during these incredibly challenging circumstances we did break new ground and we were brave and tried some new stuff both with Sunset Boulevard and The Colour Purple and it really did speak to audiences at home and it was really exciting and I think that Christmas, uh, Leicester City Council got us to, um, we, we they commissioned us to do the Christmas light switch on because obviously people couldn't come into the city centre. So we sort of made a pop video and um, I loved working on camera like Wizard of Oz. We have a lot of multimedia as part of our um, LED wall, which is a big part of our set. Avita at Christmas is going to be using a lot of camera and looking at how um, Ava is one of the first social media influencers of her time, mm. how we look at that in a sort of more contemporary context. So, yeah, I love working with the camera and that, you know, con- more contemporary medium. And I'd love to do films one day. And actually, before I got the job at Curve, I was sort of learning. I was um, on the trainee course up at Yorkshire TV, learning about Emmerdale and all oh. of that sort of thing. So it's something I'd love to go back to one day. And I love how you tell a story on film. So definitely. I suppose that's something as a director, you sometimes you're going to be directing comedy, sometimes drama, sometimes little dance sequences. It's good to take in all of these influences, whether it's soap or TV or whatever it is. Totally. I love it. I'm not a snob. You know, I love all aspects of theatre, the entertainment industry. We did Britain's Got Talent for Wizard of Oz on Friday night. And Mm. so got to work with the producers there and come up with the concept for the whole episode starting you know, outside the Apollo with Ant and Deck in black and white, and then Dorothy, Georgina turning everything to colour inside the studio as part of the live broadcast. And I just love that experience and working with the cameras and, you know, what they can do. So it's another string to my bow as a direction. I really love it. And, you know, like a child in a, a candy store or whatever the analogy is, you know, I love that sort of moving through different genres and embracing them and learning from other, you know, people and what, what, how we can tell a story through different mediums, I think is really exciting. Speaking of not being a snob, what musical might people be surprised to learn you love? Maybe a guilty pleasure or something at odds with your personality? Well, I found this question really difficult to answer because I sort it's of unfair, love them it? all. It's unfair for a musical sort of, theatre obsessive. I just, yeah, like I love musicals. I grew up watching musicals. I, the first thing I ever saw in the theatre was a musical, mm. you know, I'm going to see Groundhog Day tonight. You know, I love musicals. I love, you know, I sort of, I love going to the theatre. So yeah, it's sort of an impossible question to answer, really. I'm sorry to be boring. No, please, please pass as many questions as you want. We have a quite a short interview, so feel free to pass. All good. Okay. <laughs> now, this isn't a negative question. It's not which musical do you hate, but it's which musical do other people really love that doesn't quite connect with you for whatever reason? So yeah, the Book of Mormon, I've just never got it I just I mean I'm not a South Park Mm. I've never watched that sort of growing up and um it was sort of an out-of-body experiencing the the Book of Mormon where obviously a thousand people are having the great greatest time of their lives around you and I just didn't understand it It didn't not connect with it in any way shape or form so but again Mm. that's the joy of theatre isn't it sometimes you absolutely get it and the connections there and other times it isn't and it's interesting to sort of work out maybe why or why you didn't connect with something. But yeah, Book of Mormon would be the one I didn't quite connect with. And I'm sure that experience did feed into what you're doing because so many people did enjoy it. 
who knows, maybe maybe you'll take something away from that and learn a, a joke or two or a trick or two. Exactly, exactly. Well, on a more positive note, what do you think is the most romantic musical? I loved listening to and experiencing when I saw the production, the sort of those early yearnings of love and sort of feelings of coming to a big city and finding your feet in Boy George's um, Taboo. I just think there's something really beautiful the way Boy George expresses that both musically and lyrically. Um, And also, I guess, something like Merrily We Roll Along. I mean, it's not so much romantic love, but the love between friends, the complexity of the relationships that Stephen painted in a play like Merrily We Roll Along and um, how relationships, friendships change and love changes over the years. So I think, yeah, taboo for those sort of early yearnings of love and sexuality and, you know, know, having those sort of first sexual experiences which Boy George defines and writes so beautifully with so much sort of integrity and heart and then merrily we roll along for those sort of complex sort of friends-loving relationships. Beautiful answer. And it shows the the range of musicals as well. Taboo is one which I've never seen, unfortunately. It's been recommended to me a lot. And it would be my answer to the next question, which is, what musical have you never seen that you think you should? Well, I've never seen Groundhog Day and I'm going to see it tonight. So if I get a gold star for identifying it as a one, I should have seen the first time round. And now I'm now I'm going to go and see it tonight. Well, it was only on for a few months. Um, but no, I, I saw it back then. I've I seen it uh, last week, I think it was. And I'm going again on Saturday. It's, you know, it's in the title, Groundhog Day. You want to see it again and again. I'm sure you will. Brilliant. Well, this is very, um, this is very fitting for your job. And maybe it's, it's one that you're planning for the future. But if you were to direct a radical restaging of a classic musical, and I've done it a million times, which would you choose? Evita. Yes. And it's coming soon. Exciting. It's coming soon. So, yeah, we're in the, mad, we're in the middle of our radical restaging and we're just sort of designing the set with Michael Taylor. And we've got the most amazing choreographer, Adam Murray, whose work you'll have seen on films like Cruella and Rocketman, real visionary choreographer. And we're cooking up our sort of production of Evita at the moment. So I think it's definitely that one. I cannot wait for it. Well, the big question, the most exciting question, the reason everyone tunes in, if they do, if you were the mayor of musical theatre, which show would you order be staged forever so you can go see it whenever you want and in which venue? Definitely West Side Story. We couldn't stage it forever at Curve because we've obviously important we give our audiences a real sort of eclectic, sort of, um, you know, diverse schedule of work. But yeah, definitely West Side Story. It's such a classic and it's one that if it, honestly, if it was on in London all the time, I would go back and back and back. Exactly. I would spend all my paychecks. I would be poor. Thank you so much for, for being on the podcast. You've been an amazing mayor of musical theatre. Oh, likewise. It's such so good to talk to you and such great questions. And your enthusiasm and passion for theatre is really infectious and wonderful. To Great to chat to you. Thanks, Ian. So that was Nikolai Foster. What a wonderful human being. What a nice person to talk to. Clearly so passionate about musical theatre, which is lovely. And a talented, talented man as well. Get your tickets to The Wizard of Oz at London Palladium. It's 
it's just a stunning show. Obviously, it's a London Palladium. You can't be the London Palladium and just have a stall on stage with Georgina Renora singing somewhere over the rainbow. That would be incredible as well, actually. I Yeah, I'd pay good money to see that. But this is a full-blown production with all of the budget you'd expect and a cast of highly talented, incredible performers. Christina Bianco as well. We love Christina Bianco in this podcast. She is a hero to all of us. So get tickets to that. Um, check out Nikolai Foster on all the social medias. The links are in the show notes. Um, you can follow this podcast at Musical Mayor Pod on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and musicaltheaterreview.com, at Musical Theatre R on Twitter, at Musical Theatre Review on Instagram. Get following, get involved, send, I don't know, just, te- just send messages and ask questions. Say, uh, you know, can you get this person on the show? That would be nice. Everyone write in. Anyway, um, have a good week. Purely just rambling now. I say this every week at the moment, but I should probably start scripting these. Especially because I just said every week and episodes are coming out more rapidly than once a week at the moment. Um, Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Is it too much? You can never have too much. There's a lot of great shows happening at the moment and we need to make sure everything is promoted in time. Um, Which is, yeah, something important to say. Wizard of Oz get tickets before it closes. It will be closing soon. Anyway, okay, bye-bye. This has gone on way too long. Bye-bye. See you next time. Keep it musical.